One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's tough. I'm Matt Riddle. I fought all around the world in steel cages, knocking people out and breaking bones. It's what I do. So again, do you want me to knock them out or tap them out? August 1 warning, identity revealed as the MMA legend Tito Ortiz. Hello there, folks. Welcome to We Don't Know Wrestling. I am your host, Sam. Uh, and this week, we are going to be talking about the We Don't Know Wrestling 100 and sort of going into some brief candidates under the Joshi category. Um, so with me this week is going to be Alex. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Good. Um, so I when I first thought of doing kind of a Joshi category, Joshi kind of We Don't Wrestling 100 podcast because I don't really know a whole lot, and that goes for most wrestling, but I think Joshi's been a blind spot overall in my uh, wrestling fandom. Um, so it's like, okay, if I'm doing it, I need to do it right, I need to have the right person on, I knew you would be the person to go to, um, at the very least, to kind of help us get started, help point us in the right direction, um, and hopefully get some people to check out wrestlers that they might not otherwise. Um... So, I'm not exactly sure where to begin, um, but sort of, what are your favorite promotions out there um, for Joshi in 2017 to kind of get us going? Okay, for 2017, I'll say Oz Academy has been good. Sendai Girls has been... The matches have been good, but the title booking has been iffy. Stardom has had some good matches, but like Sendai Girls, the booking can be a little iffy, especially with the titles. And, you know, that has to deal with, you know, injuries happening, some people leaving, some people leaving and coming back. And overall, 2017 isn't as good as 2016 was for a couple of promotions, but I still think there are definitely some good matches this year, but storylines, especially 2016, was a better year. Okay. Okay. Um, so are you going to be submitting a ballot this year? You don't have to be. Um, and not to put you on the spot or anything, but just kind of curious. Um, I'll try. I'm still not 100% on what all the rules are, but if I have the time, I'll definitely try to put together a ballot. Okay, cool. So I guess I'll explain actually to anyone that might not know um, at this point. So we don't wrestling 100 list of the 100 best wrestlers on the planet in that given year. Um, first moment was last year. I have a link to it on my blog. Spanx are still cool, um, which kind of has it all in a dry Google folder uh, with PDFs and the rankings for everyone. So you can look at that to kind of get an idea of what last year looked like. And I'm going I'm to say I'm going to follow a similar format this year. Um, but essentially this year it's going to be about, you can use some about 50 or 100 um, of who you think the top 50 or 100 wrestlers were in that year. Um, and there'll be a different point system for 50 ballot versus 100. But... I can explain that uh, another time and probably another location than the podcast. Um, so, for Sunday Girls, 
who are kind of the stars of that promotion? They have a very small roster. It's only maybe six, five wrestlers. They have two rookies that debuted this year. But the big stars are the core group. Meiko Satomura, who is the founder, trainer, and the veteran of the group. Chihiro Hashimoto is the star rookie. She won Tokyo Sports Rookie of the Year last year. And she has been the only young person to hold the Sendai Girls single title. Cassandra Miyagi is the main heel. She wears makeup. She bleaches her hair. She's the one that you can see a lot of gifts of. She's doing crazy things like headbanging, spitting water, having crazy faces. Mika Shirahime, she's another person who's a rookie along with Chihiro Hashimoto. She kind of gets forgotten a bit because she wasn't given a rocket push like Chihiro, but she's having a normal rookie career trajectory. Like she lost almost all her matches the first year. This year she won her first singles match. So hopefully by next year she'll definitely start to rise more. And the final main person is Dash Chisako. And she is the main tag team wrestler for Sendai Girls. She used to be in a tag team with her sister, Sendai Sachiko, called the Jumanji Sisters. But her sister retired last year, and now she mainly tag teams with Kaoru, who is a veteran wrestler from the days of AJW. And she is in almost all the tag title matches for Sendai Girls. She's the main tag wrestler for Sendai Girls. Uh, cool. So I'm going to gravitate the discussion towards two people that I'm probably more familiar with, I suppose, um, Emiko Sonomura. Um In 2017, I haven't seen a whole bunch. From what I've seen, she's still doing her thing. Um, and kind of the rankings there for Joshi, where does she stand in kind of your pecking order right now? In my personal pecking order, I think... She's probably my number one veteran because she can still move. She hasn't slowed down any. There's still veterans all over Joshi, but a lot of them are from the 80s and 90s. So they started to slow down. They don't do as much as they used to. Like Aja Kong, she slowed down. Mayumi Osaki has slowed down. Meiko Satomura, she's still, you know, at a young average age for wrestling. But because she started young, she has all the years' experience that she can be the grizzled vet that we're used to in Japanese wrestling, who comes in, beats up on all the young people, is hard to defeat, and she does it well. Like It's like she's still in her 20s. She's just that good, and I don't see her slowing down for at least another five years. Yeah, so every year, um, I'm trying to kind of develop who's... Who, even before I was doing the We Don't Wrestling 100, I was just kind of trying to do rankings because I like making lists, and that makes it easier for me to kind of um, categorize in my brain. So when I want to go back, I can be like, okay, so here were the people that kind of stood out. Um, and Miko's always one of those people that are going to stand out uh, for me when I'm going back to revisit any given year, essentially. It feels like she's been doing this forever, and every year she just continually to knock it out of the park. Um, I think her matches with Hashimoto are going to be what brings Hashimoto to that kind of next level. It's one of those like building blocks where you see 
uh, Hashimoto already having these really good, great matches um, with someone of Senator's stature. Um, and I'm just excited to keep watching her do her thing um, as long as she can. Um, I want to watch King of Trios from this year to see how she performed in that setting. Um, I was able to see her, uh, I think, in 2012. Um, so that was... I, I'm really really excited to continue to watch her. Uh, even at, I, It feels like you don't see many um, veteran Joshi members. That, correct me if I'm wrong, that kind of grow into the role that um, we typically see out of the older... Um, grumpy Japanese guys like the Tenors of the world or the Onidas where they just get old and gnarly and kind of broken down and still um, doing something. Um, Samara just is her body isn't breaking down. Uh, so I don't think we're going to, we're getting to that point anytime soon. Um, but I'm kind of excited to see she's one of those people that I think will develop. Uh, will change her style when she needs to. But right now she just continues to kick but and um, deliver incredible performances. Yeah, like you said, this is honestly the first time we're able to see female wrestlers in Japan become like a tenryu, just old, broken down, but they still go out there and have a fight because until the mid-90s, you still had the retirement rule that at 26, you retired. So this is the first time we're having old female wrestlers still wrestle, and they're just that broken down old dog who still has some fight left in her and she goes out and just gives a fight. And that's what Aja Kong is right now. She she can't move like she used to in 96. She's, you know, she's bigger, she's slower. You, you get a little nervous seeing her do back bumps, but she still gives a fight. Like in her matches with Chihiro Hashimoto, you can tell she's giving her all to fight this young person. Yeah, Kong has been kind of a long-time favorite of mine, and I, yeah, she definitely fills that role of more old, broken down, going to go out and do whatever she can to seal it up. Um, she's still intimidating as all heck uh, and can still throw down when she needs to. So other person opposite end of the spectrum uh, of this of the start, start of the career Hashimoto, um, for me, every time I watch her, I'm like, okay, so in about five years, this is going to be one of my favorite wrestlers. Uh, she just kind of has a style already, um, and that I think that's really impressive, uh, someone that's so young in their career and already kind of have a distinct feel to them, uh, which in it, pretty much anywhere in the world, when you get a rookie kind of going out there, you feel like, okay, they're going to stick to the basics, and she just feels like, Okay, she's going to do a flipping senton that nearly crushes their her opponent every single time. And it's amazing. Um, so h- how do you feel, Hashimoto? She definitely has a unique style to her, and that's one of the reasons why I gravitated towards her when I started getting into modern Joshi. And part of that is she was on the junior team for Japan's National Women's Freestyle Wrestling Team. And for those that don't know, Japan's women's freestyle wrestling team is the powerhouse of women's freestyle wrestling in the world. They are the team to beat. They have all the stars, like the training, the veterans, everything in that wheelhouse is just top of the line. It's 
it's like them against the world when it comes to freestyle women's wrestling. When I can't remember her name, but an American woman, she beat one of the veterans in the ladies' Olympics. It was a shocker because this woman had so far gone three for three at Olympic golds. And you can just do it real quick. Go on the Wikipedia for Olympic women's freestyle wrestling. Most of the gold medals belong to Team Japan. They're just that good. And so Chihiro Hashimoto came from this system of pure excellence of freestyle wrestling. So she has a strong background of shoot wrestling. And she comes to Sendai Girls, which is one of the most athletic promotions in terms of training and the style they have their wrestlers do. And so she has a good background. She has a dojo that really fits her well. And so she's able to come in and with that rest, shoot wrestling background, Mako decides to give her a rocket push because her debut match was her teaming up with Shinobu Kandori against Mika Shirohime and Manami Toyuda. That's not a small deal in any sense of the word. That's a pretty big deal for that to be your debut match. And ever since then, she got a rocket push. She had a gauntlet match in, I believe, Stardom that was really good. She kept getting high-profile matches against opponents. In Oz Academy's Yokohama show last year, she angered Aja Kong in a tag match, and that eventually led to a title match against Aja Kong. And eventually, Chihiro Hashimoto this year defeated Aja Kong in a match, which for someone at the time not even a year into their career, that's unheard of. So I think the comparison for Hashimoto, to me, it feels almost like a Matt Riddle, um, where there's a sense of legitimacy there uh, that you don't get from all competitors, as well as the desire to bust out things that are not in that sort of wheelhouse uh, and go into the more frivolous side of things. Uh, but it always looks good nonetheless. Um, so yeah, Hashimoto, someone that should be on kind of everyone's radar, I think, at this point. Um, not very often you get to be on the ground floor uh, of someone that's going to be a big deal. So that's kind of where I stand with her. Set a more match. Very good. As I said, um, but again, I'm dealing with the most limited, uh, sample size. So I'm ready to dig in. Um, next up, um, I kind of want to dip into stardom a little bit here. Um, kind of maybe discuss the standouts in that promotion, because I know uh, typically that is the promotion that gets the most buzz stateside uh, for Joshi. So, Alex, who who in that promotion is kind of the front runners for a kind of We Don't Know Wrestling 100 list? Who are the best, who are the best wrestlers this year for that promotion? This year, it's still... You know, the people who people probably know most from stardom, Io Shirai, Mayu Iwatani, but also Jungle Kiona this year has really come into her own and feels like she can finally take that next step and become a part of the top tier of stardom wrestlers. In between Jungle Kiona, it's still that awkward. The rest of the domestic roster is very young and early into their careers, so it's more of a Next year, maybe two years from now, they can probably be where Jungle Kiona is now. And we can say they're definitely one of the top 100, like Azumi and Hazuki. They're still young, and I like them. They're good, but I feel like they're more of a next year, maybe two years from now. 
Jungle Kiona is definitely the third person, along with Io and Mayu, I feel like, can be in the top 100 because she's had a good year. She's been in tag matches with people like Hiroyo Masumoto. She's in tag league with Yoko Bito right now. And in that weird time where Kyrie was going off to WWE, Io was supposed to be going to WWE, but she had a neck injury. It was definitely Jungle Kiona having to step up into that spot to help carry the promotion in uncertainty. Cool. Um, admittedly, you can say anything at this point. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with it. Um, just because of my lack of knowledge, but for Jungle, is there anything that really stands out this year in particular that someone should watch if they can only pick one? Um, let me... If you don't mind me shilling, let me refer to that beginner's guide to 2017 Joshi, where I have added match recommendations to all the wrestlers I put into that list. And I'm not a regular stardom watcher. I watch the matches that get buzz, so I'm going to have to pull up the list. And excuse me. No, I love it. Just real quick. Yeah. um, I'm essentially asking you to rehash the list anyway, Eric. Anyway, here on the podcast, so you know what? Yeah. What? Whatever. We, we just roll. We just go. All with right. It. Here we go. So, Jungle Kiona versus Chihiro Hashimoto happened in Stardom this year in June, I believe. That was probably pretty good. Jungle Kiona went up against Io Shirai in August. She went up against Kairi Hojo in February. She went up against Kaylee Ray in January. It, oh, that was June of 2016, Jungle Kiona versus Chihiro Hashimoto. She's also gone up against Tony Storm this year. Her tag with Momo Watanabe before Momo got injured late last year against Io and Mayu. So for 2017, I would say check out her Kaylee Ray match from January, her Kari Hojo match from February and her tag with Hiroyo Masumoto against Kari Hojo and Yokobito from March of this year. Well, there we go. There we go. Um, is there anywhere, anyone else you want to push, give a rec for in the startup promotion, or you want to move on um, to our, our next kind of person down the line here I got? Um, gosh. I want to say Konami because she became freelancer this year and has been doing good, but the only matches of hers that you can really see are on Stardom, and I feel like those aren't her best matches because she had a submission match with Command Bolshoi for Pure J this year, and I can't remember if I've seen tape of that Cork and Hall show online or not. It might be out there somewhere. If you can find it, check out that match. But based on her stardom stuff alone, I don't know if Konami is top 100. So what you're saying is we need to go to the darkest places of the wrestling internet to try to find the Commander Boshu match. Well, I don't think it's going to be the darkest. It's not pro wrestling wave here. It's just pure J. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> The Pro Wrestling Wave Network is a mess, let me tell you. And it's a shame because they have plenty of good wrestlers, but gosh, if they don't just not upload some months. That sounds like a real predicament and a real, like, 
something that I'm not used to in 2017. Yeah. Um, uh, it took them a while to even to start uploading from their 10th anniversary show, which was sometime in August. So somewhere in September, they started uploading matches. I don't know if they even uploaded all the matches. And silly me thinking, oh, I'll go to Amazon Japan and buy the DVD. They don't sell Wave DVDs on Amazon. You have to go through the Wave website, and that's not foreigner-friendly. That sounds absolutely terrible. Uh, it kind of is. I feel like we, for, mo- for a lot of avenues of wrestling, uh, we've kind of broken down barriers. It's easy for anyone on the planet to get into products anywhere else on the planet. Um, but it sounds like Joshi is not at that point yet, for the most part, outside of um, outside of stardom. Is that would that be fair that the other ones are a little lagging behind in that regard? Stardom is definitely the only one that actively wants to attract foreign fans and welcomes them with their streaming service, Stardom World, with the English subs and online streaming. The other promotions. They're not interested in attracting foreign fans. Like, if you're a foreigner and you know, interact with someone on Twitter, they appreciate it. It's like, oh, I didn't know you're a fan. Thanks for being a fan. But they're not actively going out, putting things out in English or Spanish, trying to attract new fans, making stuff readily available. The most readily available you'll get is go to Amazon Japan. They have an English option for the website because Amazon Japan itself is foreign friendly. Put it in English. Just type in Joshi Pro Wrestling. You'll see the DVDs. Just choose whatever show DVD you want and ship it to your house. All right. I'm going to... I feel like I need to dig in and at least look at it and see how that process goes, even if it ends terribly. uh, You can find... Like a lot of interesting DVDs. Sometimes I just go through to see what's available. But keep in mind, physical media is still popular and heavily used in Japan, so it's still going to be a premium cost because you still have Tower Records and HMV stores in Japan because CDs are still a regular item. That's so interesting. I I I need so New Japan Pro. Like, obviously has their service. DDT has their service. I wish there was like that second Joshi promotion that really kind of hopped on headfirst uh, into kind of allowing foreign fans to be the product in an easy way, or just you know float them on over to the the good old folks over doing the Real Hero uh, archive, um, so I can watch them for the. For, for that free price um, and that easy accessibility because um, I'm I'm cheap slash poor um, and just want to get all the wrestling. Um, but I know that's not how it should work. We should be paying artists for their yeah. creativity. Um, but I re- – can I buy T-shirts? Is that an option? Um, uh, I haven't found a place that sells T-shirts. Am- well, I guess I could try looking through the clothing option on Amazon, but I mainly go to Amazon to just see the DVD prices because every promotion, as far as I know, still sells DVDs because that's still good money. 
paying like 30 bucks for a DVD, that's still good money. And a lot of these promotions, men and women, they probably don't feel that they're popular enough or feel the need to have a streaming service for a fixed price per month when if you can sell 100 DVDs for 30 bucks each, that's still good money. Wrestling promotions and their economics. Yeah. I get it, but like I'll never like it. I'll never like it. As a consumer, oh. I will... I just want to punch Super Danny in the face on a regular basis because of it. Um, like, streaming services, I'm not an expert on this, but I don't know if, I don't think they're as popular as they are in the West because physical media is still popular and heavily used in Japan. So everyone just puts out DVD. Some people, it's mostly promotions that feel they have an international audience that make a streaming service because foreigners enjoy streaming and it's easier to stream as a foreigner than to buy a DVD or back in the day, know someone to buy you a VHS tape. Yeah, that that makes sense. That makes sense. In my head, it works out. The math is there. Emotionally, it'll sting. Um, but I guess, I guess we should move on um, to the wrestling. So, yeah. next up, you, you, you gave me a short list here, so I I I glanced over some folks. I went with it. Um, I'm gonna not pronounce this name correctly because I'm a bad person. I'm gonna do my best. Hiroyo Matsumoto. Oh, Hiroyo Matsumoto. Yes. Okay. There we go. There we go. Kind of. Can you give me a little bit of a a breakdown of her year? Uh, All right. So late last year, I want to say October, maybe early November, I can't remember the exact date, Hiro Masumoto defeated Sonoko Kato for the Oz Academy Openweight Championship. That's Oz Academy's top singles title. And in 2017, this has been the year of Hiro Masumoto. She is by far clearly the MVP of Joshi Wrestling this year. She's been wrestling all over the place in multiple promotions at one point, she had four titles. She she was the person in the book for your promotion. She even managed to get stardom bookings. And for those that don't know or aren't aware of, stardom is a bit like Dragon Gate in that they book stardom talent and some freelancers and no one else. They might bring in some foreigners, but that's it. You don't really see other doji promotions go to stardom to have matches. So for Hiro Masumoto, they get a couple bookings from Stardom. That wasn't a small deal. And then at one point, she was Sendai Girls World Champion. She, spoilers for the latest Oz show, she was Oz Academy's Openweight Champion. She held Stardom Tag Titles. I believe she also held Stardom Trios Tag Titles. She was the person. She was everywhere. She wrestled well. She had great big matches. She also did some comedy. She worked the indies. She worked prominent places. This was her year, and she's had great matches. If you pay attention to Joshi outside of stardom, you've probably almost guaranteed have seen a Hiro Masumoto match. So even someone that's not really ingrained into the Joshi landscape, um, she seems to be wrestling a lot in different places, obviously. Um, so I've seen her against 
Ashmeadow, I've seen her against Sanamara, uh in the Fortune Dream match. Uh, she feels like she has a unique presence. Um, she's bigger than most of the other women that she's wrestling. Um, but she doesn't wrestle quite like a monster. Uh, she wrestles... Yeah, she wrestles to her size. It's very unique. I can't really place it. I'm very bad with words. Um, but she definitely feels different. She kind of leaps off the page um, when she's wrestling anyone. So what are your kind of feelings when you watch one of her matches? What what does she do particularly well in your mind? Like you said, she's bigger than most of the other wrestlers she fights. And she wrestles her to her size well. Like, she just feels big when she wrestles. She does power moves like Lariat's power bombs. The high angle power bomb is one of her signatures. She yells. She gets in people's faces. She just wrestles big. When a lot of women wrestle like high flyers, they bounce off the ropes. They do topes. They do the flips and things. Kiryu Masumoto will stand her ground and hit you with the lariat if she could. Uh, one of her like signature spots, at least from I'm assuming it's a signature spot based on what I've seen, um, where her opponent runs off the ropes and she just throws a wicked back elbow. Um, and smacks him down the canvas for a pin attempt. Uh, I I really love it. Uh, it's something so simple yet nasty looking, uh, and I I want every wrestler to do it. After I saw her do it, uh, I just don't know if they can pull it off. Um, cool. Um, again, kind of if, if anyone's looking for specific match matches to check out, Garen's uh, got to Joshi. Uh, will be linked uh, in the description. So go to that. Uh, that'll kind of steer the direction of, hey, w- what should I actually be checking out? Um, so hopefully that helps you there. Yeah. Cool beans. So elsewhere, other promotions, who's kind of stuck, stood out this year? Um, other than some of the names that we've mentioned so far, um, are there, is there anyone this year that you kind of that made wasn't on your radar too much in 2016 that's kind of up their profile in 2017 in your eyes? Definitely one of the wrestlers that's a part of Wave and Pro Wrestling or Joshi Pro Wrestling, Osaka. I'm Osaka Joshi Pro. That's the right name. Rina Yamashita. Last year she had some matches. But mostly in Wave in Osaka, in Osaka Joshi Pro. This year, her home promotion, Osaka Joshi Pro, it went on hiatus because one of the other wrestlers, Sawaka Shimono, she went on hiatus to get treatment for her alopecia. So the promotion kind of went up on hiatus. So this year, Rina, she started wrestling more in Wave and also just outside of Wave. She was seen more in Oz Academy. She was seen in Seedling because she had a feud with Yoshiko and Seedling, and that was one of my favorite feuds of this year. Because like Hiryo Masumoto, Yoshiko and Rina Yamashita are big. They're bigger than most of the other wrestlers they fight. So they just wrestle to their size, and they use a lot of power moves like lariats and power bombs. They don't rely on standing drop kicks, missile drop kicks, all these other fancy aerial stuff. 
they stand there, they land their spots, they throw elbows, lariats, just good. It's not quite Haas wrestling because they're not that big, but compared to some of the others, it feels like Haas wrestling because they're just throwing shots. And that's kind of the style Rina Yamashita does. She She's not a full-blown brawler, but she can brawl and she just gets violent. Like, she threw a headbutt to Ryo Mizunami this year in the summer, and she busted herself open, which, considering this year with, you know, Katsuyori Shibata, it wasn't the best thing to see, but she threw a headbutt, she busted herself open, and she won Wave's main title, Regina DeWave. And this is definitely her breakout year. She wrestled more places, more places that made tape that can easily be watched, so more, at least, Western fans got to be able to see her and I hope that more people actually did watch her because she's definitely, she's capable of being funny. She has an online feud with another wrestler, Maya Yukihi, and they just literally just throw poop emojis at each other. So she's capable of being funny. She can do emotional stuff. Like this year, she begged almost that my Kanzai to let her use Splash Mountain, which is Kanzai's finishing move. And she can be just the gnarly, gritty wrestler like when she's up against Yoshiko and they're just angry at each other, but they somehow come together and realize they're just two bad bitches and they just throw up middle fingers. Wow. Like this was her breaking out year, and I hope she keeps the momentum going in 2018. I think we need more wrestling like that, more grit, more just you know. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna stiff you a little bit. It's gonna be good stuff. Quality grappling. Yeah. And like I said, some people like that are in Wave, but Wave doesn't always upload matches, and Wave isn't easy to sign up for, so it kind of sucks. <laughs> it sounds like well, Wave's making life difficult. Um, they honestly do. <laughs> uh, it's 2017, and I, I feel like so many promotions are doing being able to at least get get it online. Even if they're not doing it, having an outlet in Japan um, to air it, then someone from UK or over here has to stay up to what hour in the morning to figure out how to record it. Um, I want that. I just need need it to get somewhere on the internet to easily access. Um, I'm okay with paying the ten dollars a month for something, um, or even just ten dollars for a show or something. Um, if I can just instantly have it. Um, but cool. I'm now going to check her out because that sounds, she sounds like pretty, pretty rad wrestler. Yeah, um, she's cool. So two people that I watched a little bit of after um, kind of just meandering about some Joshi recommendations from various websites um, was I think the best friends. Oh yeah. So, what what are your personal opinions on them? Um, just because I only seen a little bit, I liked them, um, but I didn't know where they kind of stood alongside the contemporaries. So the best friends is a tag team between Arisa Nakajima and Ice Ribbon Sukasa Suka- Fujimoto, and they're one of the best tag teams in Joshi right now. One part is because they actually have coordinating gear. Not every tag team has coordinating gear, which is just a little pet peeve of mine. If you're going to be a tag team, at least match. 
And they also worked that, I guess now, classic AJW style, very fast, like, not quite aerials, but, you know, Hurricane Rana's quick movements, quick transitions, just fast style. But they can also do some hard hits. And the best friends just have a good dynamic because they're best friends. And they're one of the best face tag teams, but sometimes they can get a little nasty, too. And they're definitely one of my favorite tag teams in general. Now, I don't always watch Ice Ribbon, but over the summer, the best friends had a three-match series against Avid Rival, which is a wave tag team of Misaki, Ohata, and Ryo Mizunami. And one of the matches was in Seedling. So if you can, try to look up the Seedling show with Best Friends versus Avid Rival so you can get a taste of that tag team. So I, 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 one of the matches that I watched that I think just showed me how brutal some of their kicks could be um, was Nene Takahashi and Seri. Um, yeah. They were up against them. And pretty much it felt like a vast majority of that bout was just them kicking the bejeebus out of Suri. And I was like, oh, that's that looks unpleasant, unfun. I'm enjoying watching it, though, because um, it's not me. Um, that's uh, that, was, that was fun to watch, and I think I was like, okay, I can get into a team where they, they lay it in, they can, do, they can be fast, but at the end of the day, when they connect – they connect. Um, and it feels like in a lot of wrestling period, I don't, I don't get that a lot. Either they're going to try to be quick as lightning or lay it in real hard. Um, they seem to kind of blend the two real well. Um, which is all I got for them as a, not, as a kind of, as a complete novice to that, to this, uh, to Joshi wrestling, um, 2017 or other. But, yeah, I, I, I've become very interested in seeking out more of what they've done. All right. For people who want another match recommendation, I actually have a date on right now. Seedling's luckiest triple seven show from March 16th. The Best Friends versus Kirio Masamoto and Ryo Mizunami. That was a fun match you can check out to get a taste of three people we've just talked about on this podcast. There you go. That'll kill three birds, one stone. Um, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Um, all right. So I now have very little direction of where I wanted to go or where to go. Um, so I don't know if you even have just, like, overall thoughts. Otherwise, um, I can just start naming names, that, looking, at a, looking at a spreadsheet, and you can tell me if they're good or they suck. All right, hit me with the names. Let's go. HZK. Um, Hazuki. Like I said, she's good. Like she's really developing as a wrestler this year, but she's still young, and I want to see how she develops over the next calendar year before I can say she's top one hundred, because Stardom's still in this weird flux of adjusting, of losing Kyrie losing Io for a little bit. They had some serious injuries this year. Like Yoko Bito got injured. Mayu Watani is injured. Momo Watanabe just returned from injury. Io's neck, I still think, is injured. 
but what have you. So they're going through this weird flux with injuries and trying to adjust. And Hazuki, she's almost there, I feel like, of becoming the next good to great wrestler in stardom. So she's good. Thumbs up. Yes. Konami. She's a thumbs up for me. Command Bolshoi from Pure J. She has a lot of praise for her because Command Bolshoi has commented there are not a lot of submission wrestlers in women's wrestling in Joshi. And there aren't. And Konami, who, fun fact, is the student, the protege of WWE's Asuka, which if you look at her lack of shoes and the way she kicks, you can pick that up. And they even bring it on commentary on some shows. She knows submissions. She can throw some kicks. She's very... If she wanted to, she could probably do a shoot-style match, but she can do the submissions. She can throw the kicks. She's been praised by some veterans. Konami is good. The only issue is her home promotion, GPS Pro, doesn't make tape. So we can only see her in when Pure J releases the DVD and when Stardom has their next videos up online. I didn't really have a list. There was me just riffing. Um, did you talk? Did you talk uh, a bit about Yoko Bito? Like nothing against Yoko Bito. I just don't feel like she's great. She's good. She currently has the it's okay second. to give her a thumbs down. Just you can barrier. You can I don't go. want to give her a thumbs down. I don't want to barrier, but like <laughs> it's a thumbs... she's she's currently holding the second top, to the top singles title in Sardom, and to me that's her ceiling. She's already in her thirties. She's retired before because of injury, and she came back last year. And her holding a secondary singles title, I feel like it's her ceiling in Sardom. She's not going to be an ace of the promotion. She will just be the supporting character. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, I'm not... This might be too much. You can feel... You can say pass. Hard pass if you want. Um, Q4. November, December. Right around the corner. Who do you think has the most to gain in those... The next two months. I think the wrestler with the most to gain is Misaki Ohata. She is a wave wrestler. So finding tape of her, you'll probably have to rely on Ice Ribbon. She's recently won the Regina the Wave title from Rina Yamashita. And she's finally getting a good singles run with the title that she's deserved before. But she's currently going up against young wrestlers in the promotions. She recently was an ice ribbon and defended the title. I feel like with this title run, she's probably going to rack up some good matches and try to rise up to where Rina Yamashita was for breakout of the year in 2017. Well, there you go. Um, so now, and do you have anything else, anyone else you want to point out? Um, any other promotions to talk about? Um, Okay, I'm just going to say I saw it on the forums and I see this person get a lot of love online and I don't hate this wrestler. I just feel like because, okay, like New Japan Pro Wrestling, 
stardom is the lens that a lot of Western fans look at Joshi through. And for a majority of self-proclaimed Western Joshi fans, it's the only promotion they look at for Joshi. And you can't just look at one promotion, especially one promotion that only has one style and a very insular roster. There are so many different styles and promotions out there. There are over seven promotions of Joshi. Not all of them make tape, but a lot of them hang out with each other and have different wrestlers on each other's shows. Meanwhile, stardom is very insular, and you only get foreigners and a couple freelancers in. And besides that, it's just stardom wrestlers. And because people only view stardom, they're missing out on so much. And I feel like they tend to overrate some people because if stardom is your only lens into the Joshi world, and if someone's getting really pushed or is really popular in stardom, some people tend to overrate a person or, you know, overstate how good someone is. And to me, that's almost two people from the Waito Tai stable. That's Hanakimura and Tam Nakano. And it's because I'm in too deep. I follow a promotion called Beginning Pro. They don't make tape. They don't release DVDs as far as I know. I follow them because veteran Yumiko Hota is their advisor. So I follow them. I look up at their card updates and card results on Facebook. I go on their website, and this idol, Tom Nakano, was there. She had a Chinese aesthetic, and she had little buns in her hair. Early this year, she decides to become a freelancer because she wants to focus more on wrestling. Not many people know about her outside of the really deep Joshi web online. One day, after she's done with Pure Day, she decides to show up at an Asushi Onita show. Her and Asushi Onita have become, like, friends, I guess. And more people know because more people pay attention to Asushi Onita. But the stardom crowd still don't really know who she is. One day, she shows up in stardom and suddenly she's the new hotness. And was like, oh my gosh, Tom Nakno. Have you heard of Tom Nakno? She's so good. Tom Nakno, she's so great. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I've heard of Tom Makno because I'm, I'm too deep in the sauce and I follow this promotion that doesn't have any broadcasting. And because I follow Pure J, I remember when Tom Makno was in a tag team with Mon Mikatsu called Violet With. But that tag team's over because now she's with Sardom and everyone loves Tom Makno. She even dyed her hair black for a way to tie. Congratulations, Tom. She gets to focus more on wrestling, and that was her goal. And congratulations. I, I'm i happy for her that she's able to focus more on wrestling because that's what she wanted to do. That's why she became freelance. But she's not, like, she's not the new star of Joshi. She's not that great. She's good. She's not even two years in, and she's good, but she's not great. I don't think she's deserving of all the love she gets on the Western side of Siren fandom. But the big, the bigger aggressor for this, and for me, is Hana Kimura. Hana Kimura, daughter of Kyoko Kimura, is also a member of Oedo Tai. She's also, like Tan Nakano, very pretty. People like pretty people, especially in wrestling. <laughs> so true. As, yeah. I believe Rick Rude said... This is the upper body business. And you know what? It's true. For guys and gals, wrestling is an upper body business. Hanekimura has a very pretty face. 
a lot of people say she's beautiful. I can't disagree with that. But she's also someone not quite two years in. And she's not a special wrestler. Her wrestler is very much that of a rookie. She has her drop kicks. She has her missile drop kicks. She has her Boston Crab. And for people who only watch Stardom, they wouldn't really know that outside of Stardom, Hana Kimura is almost exclusively a babyface. There's some matches where she might do heelish stuff, but it was really when she was with her mom, who was almost always heel. She's a babyface. Her rain gear is pink and white. She wrestles her pro wrestling ace and wrestle one, sometimes Sendai girls, maybe sometimes Lost Academy. Her wrestling is nothing special. I'm happy, you know, she's found a heel persona in Oedo Tai, if you can really call it a heel persona. But Hana Kimura is not a special wrestler. She's good at, you know, doing the promo stuff, the character work, but her wrestling isn't special. It's standard rookie stuff. Hana Kimura is not good enough to be a top 100. There you go. I like that. Um, I didn't know. I did not see any of that coming, but I'm glad you got that out there. It's, I imagine, like for, like it happens in a lot of wrestling scenes. You know, you like certain promotions, but uh, most people only view a scene through one promotion, and you know, you just want to see. You know, there are other promotions that you could be watching that are just as good, like. I'm sure there are plenty of Japanese wrestling fans who, you know, all these people are only watching New Japan, and everyone, whenever someone gets released from WWE, there's always so many people like, oh, he should go to New Japan, and a lot of Japanese wrestling fans are like, no, he's he wouldn't fit into New Japan. Like people, when Rusev hinted he wanted to go, everyone's like, oh, we should go to New Japan. No, New Japan isn't the best place for big guys. All Japan is a better place for big guys. Heck. BJW, their strong division, has a lot of big guys in it. I don't know, Sentiment Wrestling won. And today, like when, unfortunately, Emma and Summer Rae got released. No, don't send Anna, Emma to stardom. For one, she's too good of a foreign wrestler to make it to stardom. Because let's be honest, the variety in talent for the foreign people wrestling in stardom this year is big. We've gone from Kaylee Ray all the way down to Mandy Leon and the young Brookside girl. It's not good. Emma's too good of a foreign wrestler for stardom. And even then, her style, she may not mesh well with stardom. I want her in a place, maybe like Sendai Girls, where we're not all bouncing on the ropes. We do a little mat work. Heck, send her to Oz Academy, where there's a bigger, just pure variety in the wrestling styles. Send her to Seedling. Let her exchange blows with Yoshiko or Nanai Takahashi or Arisa Nakajima. Like, sometimes it gets a little annoying when people only view stardom and they tend to sometimes overpraise stardom or overrate stardom workers. And you don't want to be, I try not to be too mean online. It depends on the person, but I try not to be mean online with people's opinions. But sometimes I just want to say, She's not that great. Like, if you watch other promotions, you will see wrestlers much better than her. She's not great. There are better heels. There are better wrestlers. 
and she's not the only pretty one. Like, expand your mind. That was one of the reasons why I made that Joshi guide is so many people only viewing stardom. I just want to introduce people to these other promotions and wrestlers. You know, expand your mind. Expand your horizons. Uh, I'm coming at this from a, again, not knowing a whole lot angle. Stardom, based on my understanding, Stardom's not, like, vastly bigger than any of these promotions, correct? In terms of numbers drawn, they're not. Because other promotions, especially this year, have broken a thousand or are getting close to touching a thousand people in Corican Hall, which is the main place where people use to gauge how popular promotion is. And other promotions explore outside of Tokyo. You don't really get stardom outside of Tokyo or the Tokyo Metroplex. They went to, you know, Taiwan this year. They've been to America before. Some of their wrestlers go to like Barcelona. But the promotion itself doesn't travel far outside of Tokyo. Oz Academy recently like just today went to Yokohama. Obviously Sendai Girls is in the northern part of Japan in Sendai City, Miyagi Prefecture. They travel the country and when they come to Tokyo, they can draw a thousand people plus to Corican Hall. Seedling can travel. Heck, even beginning pro who are based in Shinkiba first ring in Tokyo, with the help of other wrestlers like Dick Togo, you know, they went up north and they drew a crowd. Stardom doesn't explore far outside of Tokyo. So in Japan, as a domestic, just looking at domestic promotions, Stardom isn't far ahead of any other promotion. Now, in terms of Western appeal and Western audience, Stardom is ahead because they have the streaming service with English subs. They have an official English Twitter. They try to court Western fans. Would it be fair to say if, say, a Sunday girls want to make a crack, go at it, uh, to gain Western fans, uh, to gain that attention, do you think it would be insurmountable for them to do a streaming service, do a Twitter account, whatever, um, to begin to compete with Stardom? Or is Stardom way ahead in that regard? I don't think it would be completely out of the question, especially now that British wrestler Heidi Katrina has joined the roster. They have at least one foreigner who could help the brand and Western fans communicate. Now, you also have to think that they market their wrestlers a little differently. Like, Mika Shirohime does have some, like, photos of her that she used to sell her beauty, but Stardom is more so about selling the beauty of the wrestlers than Sendai Girls. So Sendai Girls would probably get a slightly different audience. Probably sell more the athleticism of the wrestlers in the actual wrestling more so than Stardom, who, yes, they sell some of the wrestling, but they really sell the attraction and the beauty of the wrestlers. Yeah, I think the one thing Sendai Girls would have going for them is... Uh, Satamora, who I think is, for the most part, one of the most known Joshi wrestlers here in the in the West, um, just because how talented she is. Uh, for, with people like Anne Forel, pretty much 
popping a at least a four and a half star every year for one of her matches, um, and always gaining some sort of traction. Her work in their work in King of Trios, um, multiple years. Um, they have at least a history working with non um, Japanese promotions. They've they've uh, expanded uh, in the past, just not as like a promotion as trying to reach uh, a wider audience for their their shows themselves. Um, I would be much. I think I'd be much more interested in that than actually subscribing to Stardom. Um, more so that I'm not sure if what I've seen of Stardom uh, fits my palette. Um, Whereas then it goes from what I've seen, um, a lot more seems to fit the bill for me. Yeah. And it, it honestly all comes down to, you know, what's your preference in wrestling style? Like, Stardom has good matches, but I don't always want that fast-paced, aerial type of wrestling the reason why I really like Sendai Girls and appreciate them is they have mat-based wrestling at their shows. They have talent that can wrestle on the mat with Chihiro Hashimoto and the other women on the roster. They don't look lost on the mat if they were to go up against Chihiro. Like Cassandra Miyagi, she when she went up against Chihiro, she did some takedown defenses. Like None of them are lost on the mat. Like There are some, I feel like, some women on the stardom roster, if you were to take them down to the mat, they would look lost. They're used to being on their feet and going, going, going. If you were to, you know, slow down, take them to the mat and do transitions, they would probably look lost. And so I like Sendai more because I like that mat-based style more. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the same boat there. Um, but So luck, luckily, at least we, we do get a a chunk of Sunday girls to watch. Um, well, alrighty. I don't have anything more. No more questions to throw at you. If there's any last who right here you want to throw out, go for it. Otherwise I will ask you to give the plugs for yourself. Okay. You can find me at, on Twitter at Noah's underscore savior. I recently started up a new podcast with Sierra. It's called Joshi Joshi Joshi. It's hosted over at SquaredCircleSirens.com. We're going to record a new episode hopefully on Tuesday, and you should expect our second episode later this week. You can also find my Beginner's Guide to Joshi. It's my pins tweet on Twitter, and it's also hosted on SquaredCircleSirens.com. Um, besides that, you can, if you have any questions, you can ask them to me on Twitter. I'll probably see them fastest there. And that's about it for plugs. Fantastic. Uh, this has been We Don't Know Wrestling. Go to wdkwrestling.libson.com to view the entire archive of episodes. We're on iTunes. We Don't Know Wrestling. Um, Leave us a review, ratings. I'm not sure why I'm saying we all the time. Um, please do that. That'd be very helpful uh, for algorithm purposes. And thank you for listening. And Alex, thank you a whole bunch for being on. Oh, it was a pleasure, man.